Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary listeners, heroes and crooks, Lemmy and Fast Eddie, the audio performance you are about to enjoy discusses casinos and gambling. We do not recommend gambling with money you cannot afford to lose or that is needed to pay bills. If you have a gambling problem, contact your problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and provide it to you. Our host's past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including his own. All materials presented here are based on actual facts. Names and dates are changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Some events unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Rambling Gambler, playing for the high one, dancing with the devil, going with the flow. It's all a game to me. 7 or 11, snake eyes watching you, double up or quit, double stake or split the ace of spades. Welcome back. Welcome to episode 122 of our Casino Combat Podcast, the only podcast that dares to tell you that you can win the game of casino gambling, and we are happy to show you how. If this is your first time, we are glad you are here. Look around, kick the tires, check out the website, casinocombat.com, and spell combat with a K. If this is your next time, thank you so very much for coming back and sharing some time with us today. Our battle plan for episode 122 is as follows. After a bit of squad news from the Casino Combat Galaxy to wrap up the show open, we are going to have a moment of concepts segment, the trippy-dippy little segment that is about thinking about things related to gambling. In this case, I had a kind of surreal moment that I wanted to share with you very literally Right after it happened, I called Nakatomi Tony to tell him about it because I wanted to share it and because it made me think about the nature of reality. And I'll confess, if you find it self-indulgent on my part, that's probably fair as well. But I've said this is reality podcasting, and so a little bit of reality to start things off today. After that, I have a Padawan parable to share with you. The Padawan, the Path, and the Pit. Recorded in studio this time. The first couple segments of Padawan Parables were actual Padawan conversations. This one strikes me as a logical extension of that series, and it fits with some things that happened to Mrs. TRG during our recent Atlantic City trip, a trip that I will tell you about in the travel segment. After that, it's off to the Virtual VIP Lounge to discuss the results of our gambling for the month of September 2023. And since this is the end of a month, a couple of updates from the squad. And yes, I am using my power to change dates just a little bit here from a behind-the-scenes point of view. But hey, I feel like if you have a magic ring that lets you change dates, why not use it in a small way to improve the episode for everyone? First up, our newest Excelsior Brigade member, MC Rolling Checks, had some good news to send me. He finished a month of casino combat gambling bubble craps and blackjack with a profit after expenses. He's starting slow, getting settled, building his bankroll, which is to say laying a foundation, building a base. 
building experience, winning and losing, to trust in the future. Good stuff, and always good to hear that squad mates are replicating my results. If you are new, the Excelsior Brigade followed the inner circle discussed in episode 22 as an elite group that decided to play the game and use the clues in the podcast to determine the real-world name of our home casino, Casino 2. You are welcome to, to submit up to three guesses via, via email to trg at casinocombat.com if you would like to join the Excelsior Brigade. Next, Nakatomi Tony did his first run through Atlantic City using the Casino Combat Arsenal. NT is a long, has a long, long history of gambling in Atlantic City. He has lived nearby his entire life. But this trip was a day trip with a plan, with a day's pay goal in mind, with a unit size and bankroll calculations, with techniques and strategies that had been practiced and tested beforehand. We did some texting as he went through his day. It was a lot of fun, and as he observed, really very cool that we had a common vocabulary to use in those those conversations. We were squad mates as he sent in his outcomes. First up, a bubble crap session using Dr. ECE's bubble craps ambush strategy from episode 121. NT needed to make one 15-unit bet, but he won that and had a successful positive exit with a profit. So what does that mean? That means off to take a break and look at the fountain. An illustration of execution of everything we discussed. He went into bubble craps with a strategy. The strategy told him when to leave the machine, and the tools in the arsenal told him the thing to do after that was not gambling. It was take a break. Let the dopamine that risk-taking produces drain out a little bit. Plus, fountains are pretty, let's be honest. From there, Nakatomi Tony went to the blackjack table. This was an off-season Tuesday morning in Atlantic City. So he was pleasantly surprised to not only find an empty table, but a table with a minimum lower than he had planned to play. Perfect. Now Nakatomi Tony told the dealer he was just learning. He might play a little slow. And the process went well, as splits with doubles produced winning hands and tips for the dealer. Another player joined the game and was also a beginner in his mind. NT quickly realized he was more of an expert than a beginner when he helped the other player understand why he shouldn't double his hard 18. The player had learned to play the game the night before, and having watched NT double a hand and get paid, he wanted to win more as well. That was his basis for acting, not the cards or the basic strategy, just a desire to get more chips. He was lucky a member of our squad was there to do some teaching and coaching. Coaching, of course, spelled with a K. Jokes aside, there is a serious and meaningful observation to be made here. By his own words, Nakatomi Tony considered himself a beginner in terms of trying to play blackjack for consistent and sustainable profits. To someone who learned blackjack the night before, NT was an experienced veteran, someone who could teach. I think over time, many of you will find this to be true. If you are a regular regular listener, if you use and do the things discussed here over the course of many years, you are an expert compared to most players and some employees in the casino. You will know more than they do just from listening to this podcast. You will see things in ways they don't see them. You will have confidence in what you want to do in situations, and you will not be guessing. You will be functioning from experience and preparation. Certainly for NT, that was true. He finished his blackjack session with a positive exit. He had made more than his goal for the day and was headed home to enjoy lunch and some downtime. As he texted me to tell me that he had reached his goal and was going to leave, I congratulated him and reminded him to watch out for the bear on his way to the parking lot. 
referring, of course, to the parable of the paddle on the path and the bear from episode 117. No bear on the way to the parking garage, and Nakatomi called when he got to the car to share and celebrate. Huge thank yous to MCRC and NT for sharing their results and for validating that the casino combat arsenal works and works for someone other than me. Maybe I'm lucky, but maybe I'm lucky because I learned how to be lucky. If the results are the same, I'm not sure it matters. Excellent. Let's get started with a moment of concepts. Hold up. We have a wonderful addition to the battle plan. We are going to do this right away before we then jump into the moment of concepts segment. Mrs. TRG has been planning to do a segment where she rates spas and pools at the places she goes. There has been some interest in this from some of the ladies in the audience. It was an idea that she and ACE, the Atlantic City Empress, came up with when they were hanging out at the pool. And she has just let me know that we have that file and we are going to do that. And she is going to rate one of the spa and pool complexes for uh, one of the places that we were at as part of this two weeks of travel in the travel segment. So look out for that. That should be a lot of fun. Hi everyone, this is Mrs. TRG, and welcome to the Oasis segment of our Casino Combat Podcast. One time when we were sitting around Atlantic City, Atlantic City Empress and I were talking about ways that maybe we could start reviewing the spas and pools, since I know you've all heard how much I love to go to spas and pools. So we kind of started talking about that maybe I should start doing a segment. So thank you, Atlantic City Empress, for giving me the opportunity to share my experience with some of the greatest spas and pools around our casinos. At our visit at Casino One, as you know, I was celebrating my birthday and I got the opportunity to be a little bit spoiled and went to the spa. I decided I'm going to rate the spas and the pools using four different categories. The first category being ambiance and features. The second category, easy access. Third category, food and beverage. And the fourth category, overall vibe. Each category will be given five points with then an overall, obviously, of 20 points total. So at Casino One, the spa, the first ambiance and features, I rated a three out of five. They had some nice chairs and couches as you walked in. There was some nice soft music playing. It kind of gave you a good feeling. Um, they had a great menu of a variety of choices of different massages you could get. And they also had a place where you could obviously change into the nice comfy robe and a place where you could shower afterwards. A little place where some accessories were there so that you could, you know, do your hair or a um, couple things for... Um, makeup and things like that, but I usually choose to go back up to the room and do those anyways. So again, a three out of five. Easy access, I rated them a five out of five. Right down the elevator, turn, and there is the entrance. You don't have to worry about walking through a casino and having people look at you and all of those things. So very, very easy access for the spa. 
Food and beverage, I rated them a two out of five. Uh, after the spa, after the treatment, they did offer me time to relax on the nice chairs and enjoy the music. And they offered me a mimosa or another beverage choice could be coffee, tea, water, or juice. And they had a few snacks sitting around there, but nothing really special or anything like that. So a two out of five for food and beverage. The overall vibe I got was, again, it was a relaxing feature, the music. It was a nice place, but nothing that just said wow to me. So I rated it a 2 out of 5. So Casino One Spa overall was a 12 out of 20. Next, I was able to go visit their outdoor pool. This specific casino does have indoor and outdoor, but I decided to go to the outdoor pool because it was a great warm sunny day. The pool is really nothing special. Again, for the ambiance features, rated it 1 out of 5. That's just kind of a normal kidney-shaped pool out in the back. Um, it has a little bit of a waterfall, so that kind of gave it a nice little feature. But the, honestly, the pool was kind of dirty. I was kind of disappointed. There were a lot of leaves and bugs floating around the top, like nobody really took time to kind of skim it or anything. So I one out of five for ambience and features easy access a five out of five there's a nice backway hallway again that you can walk to get to the outside pool i personally don't like to walk through casinos in my bathing suit and my hair all pulled up not looking my best so i like to be able to be in the behind scenes so to say when i'm accessing my pools Food and beverage, I rated them a zero out of five. They do not have any bar service or anything that they offer. However, it is known that people can bring in their own beverages, even though there are signs all over that says no food or drink allowed. People often bring in coolers with their choice of beverage and sit around the pool. So they don't have their own service there that you can order from. Their overall vibe, I rated it a two out of five. It is quiet and they do have some nice landscaping. And so it is a great place to just kind of sit and relax and enjoy the warm sunshine. You can listen to your own music. You don't have to listen to other people's. They don't have a speaker or anything like that that shows over the music. So it is a very nice, quiet, relaxing pool experience. So overall, they got a eight out of 20 for their outdoor pool experience. So that's it. If you agree, disagree, it don't matter. I'm just the wife of a rambling gambler. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. Thing means nothing. What? A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. When I did the first few of these segments, I was mashing together both core concepts and moments of casino wisdom to see the casino and gambling in a unique way. Ideally, to cause all of us to think and ponder and wonder a little bit. To see things, as I said, in a different way. I had an experience recently that made me think and ponder and wonder, in fact, about the nature of my existence. I'll confess, it is a little bit... Uh, uh, I'm obviously making myself the hero of this uh, story. There's no, I'm the protagonist on this one, and there's there's not much way around that. And for that, I do somewhat apologize, but I certainly recognize it. This is all a bit self-congratulatory. But it was funny, and at the same time profound enough that I had to call Nakatomi Tony and share. And the moment stuck with me, and I've come back to it over and over, so I wanted to share it with all of you. I always say that this is reality podcasting, and I try to be as open and honest as I can be in sharing what happens with us 
so you can trust the things that I know work for me. And so I'm not the creator, only showing you the good parts of the things that happen to us. That said, as a result of the experience I'm going to tell you about, I am left wondering if this is in fact reality podcasting, because from a certain point of view, this calls reality and existence into question. So the story about the story to get to the meaning of existence. It's a normal day at my local casino. It's gone a bit long. I have a trip to Atlantic City coming up. I don't need to take a big loss. I've already played a bit, and I'm calling myself Deacon Blues. I'm trying to make a comeback. I decided to play one more table and see if I could dig out a bit and maybe just get close to a zero exit and call it a day. It's been a bit long. I need to travel. And I noticed that Big Kev is dealing to Mr. Jones at an otherwise empty table. I've seen Mr. Jones around for decades. We've played together at many tables. We're casino acquaintances. We're not friends. I'm not even sure his name is Mr. Jones. But it's certainly Mr. Something to me because he is older and he's always making larger bets than I'm making. He's someone I would instinctively defer to as a bigger player, a more established player, an older player. Now our dealer Big Kev is an experienced dealer. Seen it all, been there, done that, and a bit tired of putting up with all of it. A bit gruffy and grumpy. And it would be fair to apply this label to Mr. Jones and myself as well from time to time. A bit gruff, a bit grumpy. We're joined by Billy Bones after a few hands. He seems to know Mr. Jones and Big Kev well and tells me it's good to see me again. It's been a minute. Were you away from here? That's his question. That's what he asks. So he knows me. He knows me and that's on me for not knowing him. And I tell him, yeah, I've been bouncing around Atlantic City a bit and around here a bit less often. He asks if it's all good, and I tell him it is. A stranger joins us to make a total of four. Now, he and I don't know each other, but he seems to know Billy Bones and Mr. Jones. They tell Big Kev that he's okay, and Big says, If you say so, let's lock the table down. Big Kev puts a reserved disc on the remaining spot, so we don't get random players jumping in and out. The table is now basically ours unless a pit boss forces us to pull down the reserved marker and make the last seat available to someone else. Something that's not likely to happen to this group of people and this dealer at my at my local casino on a, on a slow afternoon. So here we are. Four grumpy old men playing stacks of chips and now Big Kev is comfortable being grumpy and giving us all a hard time. Mr. Jones is comfortable throwing out more stacks of cash and accusing Big Kev of cheating him, to which Big Kev replies, of course, but only you, not anybody else. I just don't like you. (laughs) That's the kind of banner that's going about. Billy Bones is cracking jokes and winning money. I'm not winning or losing, just kind of hanging in there, and it's a fun table. It's Mr. Jones and me telling each other fairy tales, for lack of a better definition. Not a high-energy, high-fiving table, but enjoyable in a different way. And as a result, I spent more time treading water than I intended to, hung out for several hours. And each time we shuffled, Mr. Jones would be handed the cut card by Big Kev, a move I thought correct and a show of respect. And each time, Mr. Jones would decline and point to me and send the cut card to me. The first time, I thought nothing of it. He had just lost a bunch of hands in a row. The second time, I thought it was strange. The third time I thought it was because he had just pulled out a lot more cash. None of the other players showed any interest, and the ritual continued. I texted Mrs. TRG and told her, sorry, 
I'm probably not getting to a zero exit, but this is a fun table. I'm going to stay a bit longer. I'm enjoying hanging out with these guys. The cut card went again to Mr. Jones, and again he deferred to me with a nod. 20 minutes later, this repeats, and I say, maybe you want this one. I'm not sure I'm playing the entire shoe. You're playing bigger money than I am. And he says, no, this is your table. And I said, my table? You you were here first. How? And he says, I think we all know that when you're here, it's always your table. We are just kind of filling in around you. And I kind of did a double take and, and said, what? Wait, what? Really? Really? And Big Kev nods, and Billy Bones nods, and the new guy says, of course, and we played on. And I colored up and left, small loss for the day, more out of time roll than anything else. I'd had a good time, even though I was preferring to play for profit, and I couldn't get it out of my head. From my point of view, I'm the same person I've always been. The same person Mr. Jones knew, but mostly ignored in a world he knew well. It appears I'm not. And then I thought more about what he said. And this is the part I called NT about. This is the part that really got me thinking. It's when he said, we all know that when you're here, it's always your table. We are just kind of filling in around you. I can't prove he's wrong. What if he's literally right? What if we do, in fact, live in the Matrix, and when I'm there, the Matrix shows me them. And it is literally my table, and they are just filling in. Not real. Figments created, avatars, if you will, created by the Matrix on my behalf. Images to fill in my time. I can't prove that's not true. I've joked that from time to time I show up in a loop in the parking garage. And sometimes I realize I don't have my boots or I don't have the vest. The Matrix has glitched. My avatar is wrong. The entire parking garage subroutine is not functioning correctly. I picked the wrong avatar when I selected the casino for fast travel. What if none of it's real? I can't prove it is. Maybe I do live in the Matrix. Maybe we all live in the Matrix. It's possible. Or a follow-up thought. The mind is in its own place, and it in itself can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. Maybe I'm dead. If I was dead, this could be what heaven looks like. I don't really work. I mean, I have clients, but they're all friends I've known for years, and I like helping them. I like hearing about their lives and families. I like helping them solve their business problems. My parents are here. My kids and grandkids are here. This is kind of heavenly. I hang out with my friends. I go to the casino most days. I take nice trips because of gambling comps. The rooms are great. The food is great. I lose just enough to keep it interesting and win enough to keep everything going and keep the bills paid. It's not West Virginia, but it certainly is almost heaven. And I appreciate all of you being part of it. In the end, I guess it comes down to what we believe. So pass me the cut card, Mr. Jones. Believe in me. Help me believe in anything because I want to be someone who believes. Okay. Trippy ponderings of an aging mind aside, I believe the Padawan Parable segment is next. An ambush. What? 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 Sorry for the ambush, everybody. I really am, but I think it's needed. I think we need to do a question segment. 
after I recorded the episode and sent it to be edited so we could publish it, some additional questions and information related to the Bubblecraft's ambush strategy that I discussed in episode 121 came to my attention. Some really good stuff, some really on-point stuff. And I didn't want to wait until episode 123, whenever that might be, to talk through these things. I wanted to include it in the episode that we were about to publish, so I jumped on the mic. Literally, I am walking out the door in a very short period of time to get on a plane and head to Las Vegas, and I wanted to jump in and record this and send it over so it could be included as an additional segment. And then we will get right back to whatever was in the battle plan and supposed to be here right now. First up, we had an excellent observation and question raised in the Casino Combat Squad Facebook group pointing out that taken fully at face value, the math does not work. To wit, if you have 80 wins at 6 units, that's 480 units. If you have a neg negative exit occur 20 times and you lose 26 units, that's 520 lost. 520 lost, 481 how could this possibly work? Doing the math that way, a fair and accurate observation. And it's my responsibility. I screwed it up. I oversimplified things. I didn't explain them as well as I should have. And so let me, allow me, if you will, if you would generously allow, I'd like to expand and clarify on those thoughts and comments from uh, our previous episode, episode 121. First, every loss does not occur in sequence. Every negative exit doesn't occur. One bet lost, two bet lost, three bet lost, four bet lost, done. That's not the way all the losses occur. Only a very small percentage of the 20 losses are going to occur that way. It is not 20 losses of a full 26 units. Sometimes the negative exit occurs after one win. Obviously, sometimes it occurs after as many as five wins, but before we've reached six wins. So the loss is rarely a full 26 unit. It is more often between 20 and 25 units lost. In addition, we are not using a hard exit at six units, if at all possible. The testing method we have used the most is what Nakatomi Tony has done on Crapsy, and he's working with a $15 unit size and an exit that starts if six units are won. The exit process is a one-chip exit with a wager of half a unit and an increase after a wager is one of a quarter of a unit. And the exit ends when a single wager is lost at that point. As a result, wins larger than six units do occur. So to go over that again, if the unit size is $15 and we get to six units won, we are setting aside five and a half units. We are wagering one half unit. Call it seven, call it $8, $7.50 if you could. And we're putting that on the don't pass. And if it resolves and we lose, then the exit has ended. And if it resolves and we won, we are adding another three or four dollars to the wager. I'm sorry, three, two or three dollars to the wager. And again, making a don't pass wager. And again, if we lose, we're done. And if we win, we add a few more dollars and we make a don't pass wager again. So occasionally, a wager is much bigger than six units. Occasionally, it's seven, eight, nine, ten units. One before we finally finish the exit and end the attempt. In addition, 
in an attempt to not overpromise, in an attempt to be conservative because of our current small sample size, I said we were tracking 80% wins. We are, but it would have been more accurate on my part to say we are tracking between 82 and 83% win rate over the samples that we have taken. So 80% is accurate. It's just under-promising because we're really seeing closer to 82 or 83% wins. Nakatomi Tomini has completed another 50 tries, and that number continues to hold firm over those additional tries. That said, make no mistake, we are attempting to thread a needle here. Over 150 attempts, the win rate is roughly one unit per attempt when we take the money one and divide it by the number of attempts. And of course, then figure in the unit size. I will also observe that this is similar to the needle the house consistently threads on any small house advantage wager. That's all we're attempting to do here is see if, and so far it appears that we can, consistently have an opportunity to use math and money management to, over time, lock in a very small win. A technique that will generate consistent small wins over time, not consistent small wins every time. That's a very important part of this. And a big thank you to NT for diving into this research, continuing this research, continuing to share the information with me so that I can share it with all of you. If you have other questions on that front, send them my way. Send them as emails. Send them as recorded questions. We'll be happy to try to further explain any of this that we need to further explain. We're all just in this learning together. The other observation that was made that I want to share was by Excelsior Brigade member SameBet who is the host of uh, the channel Same Bet on YouTube. He does amazing videos where he demonstrates things on his craps table. He is an amazing YouTube channel host and creator. He does a fabulous job. And he made some observations on ways to hedge this bet using other opportunities on the, on the layout, on the craps layout. An excellent example of why this is a squad effort. I am not a dice effort, dice expert. I've never tried to tell you that I am a dice expert. I am not an expert on the game of craps. I am just learning. And it is why it is so wonderful that we can function as a squad and look at these things together and kick around ideas together. Same bet's thoughts on hedging this system are similar to what he shared with us in episode 107 with regard to hedging TRG for win more, keep more on the don't pass line. I encourage you to go back and hear his thoughts in episode 107. Apologies again for not being precise enough in my use of language. And thank you so, so very much for asking such great, great questions, making such great observations, helping me see where things to be needed to be clarified. I am always happy to sit under someone else's learning tree and be part of a group and not be the one teaching, be the one learning. That is a wonderful thing about this podcast. That was a goal at the beginning to be gamblers helping other gamblers be better at gambling. And that doesn't always mean me and Billy with the great last name and T-Rex. 
that as we are seeing, particularly with this strategy, means other people have been willing, have amazingly and willingly jumped in and said, hey, here's my thoughts, here's my questions, here's my testing, here's my idea, here's my research. This has truly been a group project, and I have just watched and learned and tested and, and tried to do those things. So thank you again to everyone involved in the creation of this segment. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, back to whatever was next in the battle plan for this episode. Padawan! Oh, Anakin. Master! My young Padawan learner. You're reckless, little one. You never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan. But you might make it as mine. These segments started as I was using stories to teach someone I've known a long time how to win the game of casino gambling, trying to create images that would stick in his mind. I like the metaphor of the journey and the path the journey takes us on. In my youth, I summited two mountains in Colorado, each time with a group, each time with someone who had previously made the climb. While the obstacles we encountered were not always predictable in their place or the problem they presented, the experience of someone who had done the climb previously was invaluable in helping us handle those challenges successfully. I've been thinking about this a good deal. I've been thinking about this in terms of the rough start to the month I had. 26 hours of the game stuck on impossible mode, followed by almost two weeks of easy mode. I thought about it in terms of something Mrs. TRG went through recently in Atlantic City, and as such, I offer you a Padawan parable. Something to ponder. The path, the Padawan, and the pit. As you walk along the path of the gambler, perhaps learning to avoid the bear, meeting the unicorn from time to time, enjoying hanging out in the unicorn's grove, there's another feature to be aware of, a feature of the path that you cannot avoid like the bear, a feature that is going to happen, an unpredictable part of the path like the unicorn. On the path, you will unexpectedly fall into the pit, a pit that it will appear you cannot escape. It's a trap, and a trap caused by your actions combined with unlikely outcomes, a deep pit, a pit your companions cannot reach down and pull you out of. A pit you can decide to just live in. I mean, after all, it's a nice pit. It has nice bars, nice rooms, really, usually good music. You can just live in the pit until it's time to leave, and then leave the path and put everything behind you. Abandon the path. Return to the street or public transportation. But if you are in the pit and you want to remain on the path, you have to get back to the path without a rope, without assistance, without a ladder, without growing wings and flying out. You have to slowly but surely dig steps out of the pit and as you build step after step you get closer and closer to being out of the pit closer and closer to being back on the path it may surprise you once you build the first few steps how easy the process is when you stop being in despair and decide to climb step by created step out of the pit the challenge when you find yourself trapped in the pit is not to give in to that despair not to give up not to be afraid, not to decide to live in the pit, but to trust yourself to build one step at a time and climb out knowing that you can climb out. The Little Lion's favorite teacher says, we have ears, say cheers. One of my favorite teachers says, if you have ears, you should listen. Here ends the lesson. Next, we have a travel segment and some trips to talk about. I'm going to do results for the month and give you a day's pay figure 
for the whole month in the virtual VIP lounge in a few minutes. But I did want to talk about the travel and just the travel over two weeks first. Our podcast covers a lot of ground, sometimes teaching, sometimes preaching, sometimes pondering the meaning of his existence, sometimes serving as a gambling travel blog. From my point of view, that all makes sense. I think it's a cohesive whole, but that's a uh, self-reflective point of view. You folks seem to enjoy it, and that's also the most important part. I like casinos. I do not have a level of income that lets me just hang out there all the time and do whatever I want unless I win enough to cover the expenses and generate income. And the play while winning needs to generate comps that keep the expenses as low as possible. That's the only way this works for me. That's the only way I can do this. If it fails at some level, I'm done. As such, I like to show you repeatedly how that process works, how living a casino lifestyle works. And if I'm not made it perfectly clear, I'm still somewhat pinching myself that this all works and continues to work. So here's an illustration of a living a casino lifestyle for a couple weeks. As you recall, we started this two weeks just back from Atlantic City with a nice profit, a really nice profit and an inexpensive trip because the flight, the hotel, and a lot of meals were comped or eaten in a VIP lounge, which is comped. Plenty of money was given to us to gamble by various brands and various casinos. The wonderful thing about Atlantic City for us at this point is that we can wander from resort to resort, and in each case, there is often something free there for us. Money to gamble with, free food, free bets, free something. In fact, the previous trip we paid the bar tab after watching football with free, tax-free, imaginary money at the B-Bar at Borgata. When we had been back a few days, it was time to plan a birthday celebration for Mrs. TRG. A gift was purchased. A Sunday afternoon with the children and grandchildren was decided upon. She had obligations until after dinner the day before her birthday, but I suggested that if everything could be arranged, that we would just head down to Casino One, two hours south and east of our home. We'd do that after dinner. We'd arrive late, but that's fine. It would give her her entire birthday to enjoy the spa and the outdoor pool that was still open, followed by a dinner in the steakhouse and another evening in the hotel before returning home. Something that, if it's all comped, is very easy just to do. Throw some gas in the car with gift cards from the local casino and drive a couple hours and here we are. A quick conversation with Bubba confirmed that all those comps and reservations were possible, and a couple days later, off we went. We checked in late, spent a short time in the casino with poor results, and Mrs. TRG enjoyed her spa and pool time the next day while I did some work online, real work, and then did some gambling and recovered some of our losses. Very literally, just a short drive to live in the casino for her birthday, made possible by our previous visits. This visits that you may recall from listening to previous episodes. If you have, you know we've made a lot of money in this building. This is, after all, the casino where episode two happened. The casino where early on we won 20 days pay in one evening. We've been in and out of this casino a great deal. We've won a decent amount of money there. And they repay that with free rooms, comps, and free money to gamble with. If you're wondering why Casino 1, why not our home casino, Casino 2, it's basically in the same direction, just 30 minutes further, why not there? Why not the home casino? And that's a fair question. And the big deciding factor was that Casino 1 has an outdoor pool that was still open. Casino 2 does not have an outdoor pool. 
and Mrs. TRG enjoys time by the pool, getting some sun, getting some vitamin D, and this was about her birthday. Also, Casino 2 Steakhouse is not owned by the casino, so they don't comp that restaurant, and we can't use free, tax-free imaginary money to pay for that particular steakhouse. So this was very much about planning around our comps and promotions. The second night in the casino was fun and included one event that stood out to us. As we were playing, a gentleman, his wife, and a younger man, who appeared to be a sidekick, not a son, came up to our table. He was a sharp-dressed man. Casually dressed, but very sharp. Almost perfectly. Bright white sneakers. Pressed jeans. A white Alabama football t-shirt that almost glowed. It was so crisp and white and bright. And just enough bits of gold and diamonds to make a statement without being over the top. He bought in for $5,000, a lot of money for this casino. This is a casino that often sees buy-ins of $100 or $200. A buy-in of $5,000 is very unique. And we remarked under our breath that you don't see that here very often. And he started making large bets on two different circles and playing poorly. Or maybe that's not fair. Maybe it's not that he was playing poorly. Maybe he was playing instinctively instead of strategically. Things like sevens doubled against a three, sixteens were waved away against eights, money was quickly lost, and play quickly reduced to a single circle from two circles. The original pile of black and green chips was much smaller, just a stack now held in his hand, and a man in a suit moves moved up quickly to the table from inside the pit with a card in hand, a casino employee. Hello, I wanted to introduce myself. Wanted to know if you needed anything. The sharp-dressed man seemed puzzled. He says, what? And the suit says, well, anything. I I don't need to tell you. You're a gambler. You know how it works. Are you staying in the hotel? Do you need anything? And the response is, no, the sharp-dressed man is not staying in the hotel. Thanks for the card. He honestly seemed confused from our point of view. He didn't seem like a gambler. He didn't seem to know how it works. He didn't seem to understand that he was playing big money for this casino, losing fast, and they would have been happy to get him a room or a meal or just about anything else. Just really about anything he might have asked for. So the suit leaves and play continues. And the question now is, where's the waitress? The sharp-dressed man wants a beer. Does the young man with him want a beer? Yes, he does. Where is the waitress? Shall we by soon, he's informed. Now, this is the one table in this casino designated as high limit, even though the minimum is $25. Drinks are comped at this and only at this table. After losing a couple more hands, he hands his wife $20 and tells her to go get two beers. She returns with the beers. He loses the rest of the $5,000 and walks away looking for a roulette table just as the waitress arrives. As the cards are being shuffled, I remarked to Mrs. TRG that the guy in the suit would have gone to get the beers, or at minimum, gone and found a waitress to bring the beers, or written him a comp to get beers and food at the steakhouse, or just about anything else. He had all kinds of options that he didn't realize he had, and instead he made his wife go get the beers, and he paid for them. Our evening continued. We were winning steadily. I mean, the unicorn wasn't hanging around. But we were doing positive exits, saving our spot, going to the restroom which is near the fountain, and having a nice birthday evening and making money. The young sidekick joined the table. He asked, what what do you think about that guy? He had a really thick coastal accent. We could barely understand him. 
but slowly we learned that the Sharp Dress Man owns a couple of energy companies and that they've been doing business in the area for years. He asks again what we thought. And I said, I, I thought it was a shame he didn't ask the guy in the suit for beers instead of sending his wife to pay for them. Wrong answer. The sidekick gets really aggressive. Asking at one point, what, you want to go after him? You want to have that him? And I tried to calm the situation down. I said, no, he was way out of my league and I knew it. I just felt bad that beer at this table was free and the man in the suit was offering literally anything and he bought his own beer. And I was informed that he could afford to buy his own beer. And I said, I get that. I think we're just misunderstanding each other. The sidekick got a free beer. He lost. He left. The sharp-dressed man tried to rejoin our game, and when it was explained to him that the table was no mid-shoe entry, he looked confused, and he went to another table. Later in the evening, the sidekick came over and made a point of talking to Mrs. TRG and directing her attention to the sharp-dressed man's pile of chips on a nearby table, which we then watched disappear without hearing from any of them again. So a nice evening, a fight avoided, and we were entertained. Clearly, he had the money to do whatever. And also, clearly, he was not a skilled gambler and didn't understand how the game of casino gambling is played. He could have gotten a lot more value out of the money he lost if he was a member of our squad. After a few days at home, we were back on a chartered jet and off to Atlantic City to check into a comp room at Caesars Atlantic City. We spent some time getting reacquainted with Bally's Casino, which we had not visited in over a year. The new ownership is putting in a lot of improvements, and the blackjack rules are as good as you can find virtually anywhere. No mid-shoe, six-deck games on the main floor with surrender and resplitting of aces allowed. We also spent some time at Borgata to see what was working and what was not following the hack of MGM's computer systems. I wanted to decide if we should change the reservations we had at New York, New York for part of our upcoming Vegas trip. At Borgata, the player kiosks were down, but our free play was available from the slot machines directly, and I was able to reprint my player's card. The computers at the tables for recording play were working. Dinner and drinks in the VIP lounge were excellent, although they were still recording players' names and numbers on paper to be entered into, into a computer at a later time. I'm sure that record-keeping will not be perfect, and I'm also sure it really doesn't matter. I'm still not sure about staying at New York, New York. I'm going to have to think about that. We have other options. We could stay at Tropicana. We could stay at the D downtown. We will have to see how that goes. It's a decision that can be made as we get closer to that trip. I've got a quick example of if you don't ask, you don't get to share with you today. But let me talk about the gambling for the trip first. I won money the entire trip. Slowly but surely, nothing huge, but enough that each day paid for itself. And that's not the story that needs to be told, because between the first AC trip to start the month and this trip, Mrs. TRG went to visit her mother for a day. Her mother lives just a few hours away. When she got home, she surprised me. She said, I was listening to episode 62 on the way home, and I want you to teach me that before we go to Atlantic City. I want to learn to play that way. If you don't recall, episode 62 is the one where I taught TRG Wagering System 2 Always Be Grinding. And I said, oh, honey, you listened to an episode. And you knew to listen to episode 62. I'm surprised. I'm really touched. Mrs. TRG's understandable position about this podcast has always been that she lives every episode before it's recorded. 
She hears me talk about my ideas endlessly before I record them. She hears them rehearsed. She hears them recorded. She hears the edited copy reviewed, all in bits and pieces, of course, but she doesn't really need to listen to episodes. Very fair. My feelings are not hurt. So I was surprised that she had taken time in the car to listen to an episode. And I was surprised that she had listened to episode 62 specifically. She explained that she had heard me tell enough people what episodes to listen to enough times. Again, she has lived it, so she knew what she wanted to hear. What exactly is going on here? Let me explain. Mrs. TRG is recently retired. She is on a fixed income. She has more time to play now than she has ever had, but less willingness to lose money. She is trying to improve her game. Now, to be clear, she is a solid basic strategy player. Admittedly, with a couple hands, she plays wrong on purpose. She does a nice job of stack management, differently than I do it, but in a way I understand and that makes sense. She's comfortable with a range of bets from one to one and a half units, but that is about it. Sometimes, if she gets really rolling and winning, her bets might be just a bit taller. We've talked about it any number of times, and I've always said she makes her own money. It's not my business to tell her how to play. I see zero point in that. I don't like the guys who bring their wives to the table, give them money, and then treat them like robots to be controlled. I've never understood how that was fun for anyone. Regardless, not my monkeys, not my zoo. The point is that through all the episodes of this podcast, through all the results I've shown you, Mrs. TRG has won money any number of times and taken small losses, very small losses, over and over and over again, often having a final exit of just a few units. Often during the school year, she would only play a few tables when we were out of town. It was more than fine. But she has decided that she would like to win a bit more and a bit more consistently and is willing to learn TRG4 and make bets in a range of one to at least two, maybe three units if needed. She's willing to stop playing hands wrong on purpose because they scare her and trust the math. She's ready to make some adjustments. We practiced TRG4 before we left, playing many hands and talking through situations. She told me she was committed to playing that way the entire weekend in Atlantic City and she would probably need help. And I said, of course, that's fine. The first night, the entire first day, part of the next day, and most of the last day, nothing worked for her. Other than one table, she lost and lost repeatedly. Lost doing things according to TRG4, win more, keep more. Often with the horrible second two-unit bet doubled and then lost. Or a second bet, two-unit blackjack, wiped out by a dealer blackjack and not taking insurance as I've explained to her. She lost and she lost and she lost. And she walked and she looked at fountains and she walked and she played slot machines and she won some money at the slot machines. All small losses, but repeated losses. The biggest one-trip loss she has ever taken. More money than she has ever lost in a month. She was down. She was depressed. I pointed out that I had been offsetting things for the most part. The money was fine. We didn't need to hit an ATM or anything. I reminded her that I started the month going through a very similar thing at Casino One and had just had to play through it. It didn't mean she was doing anything wrong. It didn't mean things didn't work. It was just an unusually bad set of outcomes. She wondered aloud at one point if she was being punished for not canceling the trip for a last-minute request from her extended family. I wondered aloud if she was being tested by Hermes to see if she was tough enough to learn the lesson of sticking it out and waiting for good things to happen. 
After dinner the last night, back at Caesars, we started our night at a blackjack table with a crazy lady throwing big money at side bets and losing consistently, and a professional pool player who seemed to actually know how to play. After three shoes, I was doing a three-chip exit, and Mrs. TRG was frustrated. She was frustrated that she was winning a little, losing a little, regrouping, and starting over without really hitting an exit of any type. She wasn't getting crushed. She wasn't losing. She was winning some good hands. Those two-unit splits were paying, but she was still struggling to find a positive exit. A break was taken by each of us to let the shoe finish, and another pool player joined us. And the unicorn apparently came with him, and it brought the grove. We both started stacking chips. I did multiple three-chip exits, recorded multiple positive outcomes, and started over with a new shoe each time. Mrs. TRG's first exit went so well that it really just didn't end for several hours. She had three huge stacks of green chips, several stacks of... Uh, smaller stacks of chips to represent her original play stack and her stack that she was still playing with, and then a whole bunch of stacks of red chips. I won plenty. She won back what she had lost and a small profit. She had survived the test if you want to believe that there was one to be taken. She had survived the test if you want to believe that there was a test. She became better at playing TRG4 Win More Keep More without my help over the course of the weekend. She still wants to practice more before Vegas, but she can discuss the system, the where's, the when's, and the why's. She understands it, and she's been through the process now and has some confidence in things. One observation I will make from teaching our Padawan learner and teaching Mrs. TRG at a live table, and that observation is this. It's a small thing, but it really helped both of them, and it may help you. Both of them were inclined when they made a wager and won to pick up the wager and the win and then hover their hand over the circle and mentally decide what the next wager was supposed to be. And they struggled there. Often dealers were waiting and making them anxious. They couldn't think through things quickly enough in that moment. The solution to this is to follow the flowchart for that step. The solution is to use the abacus that the stacks of chips become for you. The solution is to be a doctor of stackonomics. The instructions for that moment are, if you look at Dr. ECE's flowchart, collect the chips, rebuild the play stack. If there are 11 or more chips in the play stack, move the chips greater than 10 to the win stack. Now make the next bet from the appropriate stacks. That little set of motions, picking up the chips, rebuilding the stacks, and then betting, instead of holding the chips in your hand and thinking through it, makes everything easier, makes things more obvious, and it makes things more fluid. Yes, I can sometimes do it all in one motion, really, but that step is important. Using chips as tools is important. It makes everything easier. At least for me and the people I've taught in person, it makes things easier. We finished the trip hanging around at Resorts Casino a little bit. I didn't want to risk much. I didn't want to ruin my average daily theoretical at Caesars by playing small. I had been playing big and doing well. I had earned many more than enough tier credits to move well past the diamond tier. That means no resort fees in 2024. That's important to the business of TRG Enterprises. I still need to hit MGM Gold, but with their computers a mess, knowing what that means is a bit challenging. 
We did have another round of free bets at Caesars as we were getting ready to leave. We each had free bets two or three times during the visit. We played those remaining bets on red or black on roulette and took the wins and left. Oh, and we also got Amazon gift cards just for showing up. So that's some money to spend when we're back home. A nice trip. Money won. Comps received. We got to see the ocean. We got to to have drinks in one of our favorite bars, which I'll tell you about here in just a second. And I'll run through the final outcomes for the month in a minute when we get to the virtual VIP lounge. But first, let me give you an example of if you don't ask, you don't get. Early in our trip, we as we were walking through Bally's, I noticed a sign that said, and it was a quick sign. I didn't fully get to read it because it was just flashing a series of uh, a series of advertisements. But the the sign seemed to say that if you had the right car from a competitor's property, you could get a one-time entrance into the VIP lounge, even if you were not at the right tier in their program. I'm not at the right tier in their program. We do not get to Bally's of any type often enough to really earn any tier status with that brand. But we have a third tier MGM card. We have a third tier Caesars card. We have a third tier Hard Rock card. All of those are competitors in the marketplace. And we absolutely love the VIP lounge at Bally's. We loved it when it was part of the Caesars Entertainment brand. And we wanted an opportunity to get back in. This VIP lounge has this long, beautiful bar that ends in a big circular hook, and it's the hook that brings you back. You can sit right in the bend of that bar and have 270-degree views of the ocean and the boardwalk. You can look straight down toward ocean and the Ferris wheel and the uh, entertainment pier. The Carnival Pier is just a wonderful panoramic view. We always love being there. We miss the fact that it's not a place we can go regularly because we just can't get past the gatekeeper. So, with cards in hand and ID in hand, we went up and we asked the the person at the podium uh, about the sign we had seen. And she said yes, but we needed to go down to the rewards desk because they wanted to see our matching cards there. That's not a decision she could make. So we get our steps in, we go down to the rewards desk, and the guy looks at all my cards and says, Well, have you had a have you had a card with us before? And I said, Yes, I was a I was a member when it was Caesars, and I've been a member since. And he said, Well, when was the last time you were here and had a card? And I said, I I I don't know. And he goes, oh, come on, you're asking for free stuff. you got to at least know the answers to the questions. I, I, okay, I was doing the if you don't ask, you don't get thing. Uh, I knew that it had been 14-ish months since the last time we were in their building. But I didn't think that was a great answer. I didn't think 14 months was an answer that was going to get me what I wanted. So after he remarked that I was asking for free stuff, I should know the answers. I said, I'm sorry, we're from Ohio. We don't get here very often. We just loved that lounge. We thought maybe our favorite bartender, Sandy, was there. We've been coming here back when it was Caesars. We just saw the sign and thought maybe we could enjoy the lounge one more time. And at that point, someone else working behind the desk came over and looked at the computer screen and said, it's been a while. It's not like he's going to take advantage of us on this. Just, Just put it in the computer. It's fine. 
a classic example of if you don't ask, you don't get. And I think the fact that we were from a long way away uh, certainly had uh, an impact on that outcome. We went upstairs. Everything was entered in the computer properly. We had all the right cards. Uh, we, we, we went into the lounge. We got a menu for the food that was going to be served that evening. Uh, and of course, as, uh, Hermes is often on our side, as we walked up to the bar, our seats at the bar were open. We were able to sit there, enjoy dinner, enjoy the view, meet some new friends, have some drinks, watch the sunset, watch the waves crash in, watch the lights come up across the boardwalk. It was a wonderful part of our trip and an excellent use of a casino wisdom. All right, let's move this conversation from our favorite VIP lounge to the squad's favorite VIP lounge, the virtual VIP lounge, and let's talk through the results for the month of September 2023. A little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the most must-listen-to segment in casino podcasting, the virtual VIP lounge. Our lounge is open, and we have the best virtual everything virtually all the time. The best virtual IPAs, the best virtual wines and champagnes, the best still and sparkling water, and the best virtual dueling chefs in the entire potosphere. If you have not been around for one of these segments, if you have not experienced one of these before, this is done with a purpose and a goal. The core concepts of Casino Combat tell us that we should gamble for a period of time. We should gamble for the month, not the table, the machine, or the day, or the quarter, or the year. But we should not look at our results at a single moment in time. We should wait. We should know that it's not possible to win every table. It's not possible to win every machine. But it is possible to win the month. And it is possible to win the month even by taking a small loss if you are given more in comps and gifts than you are have lost. I've always said, if you go spend the evening at the casino, if you are comped a meal and comped a room and get free drinks and are given some money to gamble with and you finish up and you have $10 less than where you started, you won. You probably tipped more than the $10. But you got way more that the room was worth more than 10 bucks. The drinks were worth more than 10 bucks. The food was worth more than 10 bucks. If you couldn't have bought it for $10, you are a winner. Now, you'd prefer to have won the $10 and a day's pay, but you're still a winner. And so once a month, at the end of each month, we stop and we look at the profit and loss statement for the month and we evaluate if it was a winning or a losing month. We look at all the things in all the categories and see where we stand. That's the purpose of this. Because I always say, why would you listen to a voice of someone you've never met on the internet if you don't know the results of the things that that voice is talking about? That voice says, bet your money this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, and then never tells you how it went. I understand the gig of showing winning slot plays on a YouTube channel. I get that. I get that some people have made themselves lives and careers out of doing that. But I think we all know that for the most part, they're not showing us losses. They're showing us the wins because the wins are fun. And that's fine. But I am uh, 
I'm not about fun. Well, look, it's fun to win. And obviously I like to joke around and I'm a storyteller, but I don't, I'll be miserable. I will go to a casino and play blackjack at a table that makes me miserable with people I don't like if at the end of the month I have a profit. I can work with people I don't like. I don't have to like every customer. I don't have to like every employee. I don't have to like everyone that I work with. We're all there to do a job. So that's fine. I'd prefer it to be fun. That would be my first choice. But I am not about doing this for fun. I am about doing this because it's fun to have the casino's money to spend on my life. So that's why we do this segment at the end of every month. We do not do this to brag or boast. We do not do this so that you can be impressed by what TRG has accomplished. That is not the purpose of this. And I will happily line up for you all kinds of people who could, in my opinion, legitimately brag and boast about what they do and get. No limos are meeting me at airports unless I pay for them. I am not getting two-floor two suites. I am not getting any show tickets I ask for. I am getting reasonable comps for my level of play, and there is nothing here for you to be impressed by. And because I don't want anybody to be impressed, and then quite honestly, I don't want anybody to laugh at me. You know, I, nobody likes to be laughed at. I don't want anybody to listen to this and go, wow, what a clown. This guy went through all this and that's the only money he got. And likewise, I don't want somebody that plays at a lower level than I do to go, oh, wow, and be blown away by all this. So I have an amount of money I want to make every day from gambling, if at all possible, as a measuring stick. I want to make a day's pay. And so I divide all our comps by that number. I divide all our gifts by that number. I divide all the free play by that number, the money won, the money lost, all of it by that number, which gets us down to a number that is, what did we get if I earned $1 a day? So I'll give you numbers like $3.18. Now that doesn't mean I won $3.18 or spent $3.18 or lost $3.18. That means if you multiply my day's pay number by 3.18, that's how much I won or spent or lost. And now if you know how much you make or want to make a day, then you can just multiply your number by 3.18 and now we have common ground. Now we know what this would mean to you. So let's dig into this. Let me pull up the handy dandy spreadsheet and let's take a look. Table games. Now, I want you to remember, as I give you this number, this is the most important number on the sheet, by the way. This is the number that drives everything else. I want you to remember that I started out day one, the first 26 hours, losing more money than I won in August. We had that moment where my wife kissed me and said, it's fine, you'll win it all back, I'm not worried. We had that moment in that 26 hours where I physically walked into a bank and did a withdrawal and took out a big chunk of money, money that was there specifically for that purpose, but still, first time we've done that. I also want to point out that Mrs. TRG started playing TRG4, as I just, as I just told you, and that she had a horrible day, lost more money than she had ever lost in her life. 
So keep that in mind as I tell you that we finished the month having won $18.91 on the dollar a day scale. We did that at 96 blackjack tables, 58 winning, 38 losing. That's a nice ratio. That shows you, I told you, after we got past that initial 26 hours, then somebody switched the dial from impossible to easy and money was made like crazy. So 58 winning tables, 38 losing tables, a total of $18.91, as I said, on table games. Now, there were also some other things in there. There was a little bit of roulette where we made some money. As I said, we got some free bets and we played them on roulette. I did play one craps table and it was a winning craps table. That was with Equine Ensign on our first trip. I did not play any bubble craps. And I guess I need to tell, well, let me tell you this. I didn't play any bubble craps and I didn't make any sports bets. And that's not, neither of those is quite true, but that's what the spreadsheet says. And here's why. I didn't play any bubble craps with my own money. A friend of mine asked me if they could give me some money and if I would do TRG4 for them with their money when I was in the casino and then we would divide up in a ratio the the money. So I get paid a little bit. Some gets set aside for taxes. Some gets set aside for, for future losses and some gets goes to to my friend's pocket. So I've played bubble craps 20 times over the course of the month, just not with my money and not in a way that is accounted for in the spreadsheet. I did I did get about a day's pay in cash from my part of that split when it was all said and done. But it wasn't my money at risk. I don't record that money here. It's kind of its own separate little side project for a friend. I also didn't do any sports betting officially. We did get a few free bets here and there, and I made them. But here's the problem I ran into with sports betting. Sports betting is firewalled in each state. So if I go to Atlantic City, I have to set up all new accounts, deposit new money, and manage that money in that wallet in that state. And same thing if I go to Mississippi. Same thing if I go to Florida. Same thing if I go wherever, like every state, I got to make a new account. And as I'm jumping from state to state to state, it's just turned out to be a bit of a hassle. And I may get back into it more at some point. I do believe that I could make money consistently betting sports. If I got some more practice and experience, I do believe it's very doable but for right now, it's just turned out to be more trouble than it's been worth. And I kind of put that to the side. So that's why bubble craps is zero and sports bets are zero. Let's get to the slot machines. A lot of slot play because as things were not going well for Mrs. TRG, uh, she sometimes found herself at a slot machine and she had some nice wins. Unfortunately, when you total it all up, we played 29 slot machines 16 winning, 13 losing, and they got the better of us. We lost $2.36 on the dollar a day scale playing slots with our own money using TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos. Not good, but we got given $2.59 in free slot play and we won using TRG slot strategy one. $2.65 on the dollar a day scale. So once again, if you take TRG slot strategy one 
and TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos, as explained in the downloadable free, 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 free ebook, Casino Combat Slot Tactics, which you can download from the website. If you take those two slot strategies, once again, we made money this month. Once again, we have a profit from playing slots if you add the two numbers together. It's a small one, a few pennies on the dollar a day scale, but we had a lot of fun and the money we ran through with our own money generates points, tier points, free tax-free imaginary money, comps, and more free slot play. So once again, that's one of those techniques that once you get the wheel moving, if you just keep it moving almost every month, we have more cash from playing slots than we had when we started the month. Our profit or loss from gambling, the whole thing, all the gambling for the month, a profit of $19.21 rounding up. $19.21 in profit. Our expenses were $4.78. We spent $4.78 on the business of gambling. Our profit and loss, therefore, after expenses is $14.42. We received comps of $8.73. Once again, rounding up, we got 43 cents in match bets, almost a half day's pay. Almost as if we went to work for four hours, we got that in match bets. We got $1.58 in free bets. We got $8.73 in comps, more than a week's pay in comps. We got 81, eh, call it 82 cents rounding. We got 82 cents in gifts. And a lot of those were gift cards to big box stores and gas stations. So a lot of that 81, uh, 82, sorry, cents was like we were given cash for all practical purposes. If you can take it to the gas station and spend it, if you can buy groceries with it, it's like they gave you cash. There's no other way to look at that in my mind. So where do we end up? Total value. Obviously, it's a winning month. Obviously, it's a cash winning month, right? There's no question about that. We end up with $27.71 in value into our lives from doing the business of casino gambling. Solid, solid, solid winning month. Two trips to Atlantic City, both that made us money. A trip to Casino One, where after a rough start, we left the building with just a small loss. And another trip to Casino One, where we left with a very small win. And I'll take that. I'll take going down to Casino One twice, two nights each time. Seeing a comedian, eating in a steakhouse. Mrs. TRG going to the spa. Mrs. TRG going to the pool. Meeting some interesting characters. And basically... No money was won, no money was lost. We got the free stuff. We had a nice time. They gave us free drinks. I'll take that anytime. I'll take chartered jets to Atlantic City and coming back twice with their money. We're starting to know some other people that can do that, right? Equine Ensign can do that. Nakatomi Tony can do that. But there are not a lot of people. We are a small percentage of people in the world that consistently go to casinos and expect to come back with more. Not every time. 
had some horrible losing days. Stuck with it, gambled for the month, and we have a nice profitable month of September 2023. Very nice indeed. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host. Don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. In 10 years, we may find out I was wrong about all of this. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for the gift of your time. Stick around. The best part of the podcast, the Casino Combat Blues, starts right now. And we don't